Hi, you guys want some cookies? Cookies? Welcome to the garage. Welcome to another edition of the Throwback Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I'm joined, as I always am, by my bosom buddy, Bobby Castron. Hey, Bob. Hey, Dan. How are you tonight? Oh, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling great. I'm feeling sexy. You've got to be, because it is a dealer's choice episode, and you are the motherfucking dealer. Oh, yeah. Uh, dealer's choice. We're settling on that, huh? I guess so. We, we there was no second draft of the uh, the idea. It was just no. kind of like, hey, every once in a while, one of us will pick an album that the other one just kind of has to go with. Right. Dealer's choice just seems like kind of a cliche name for it's it. It's so easy. It's the laziest thing we could have Perhaps done. Perhaps we can, uh, you know, go back to the workshop with that title. But but for dealer's all, pick. How about um, dealer's selection? You got it. That was perfect. That's dealer's exactly selection dealer's episode. selection That's episode. Uh, and what is it? Every once in a while, Bob or myself, you're Dan. I'm Dan. Will um, basically hijack the show. There's no conversation piece before. There's no oh, will this work? Will the listeners care? Do in we bo- do we both have stories for do this we have one? Stories? Is it something we can talk do we about? Like the artist? Do we like this? Oh, go fuck yourself. Wait, that's us. To us. To us. Go fuck yourself. Go fuck ourselves. Go fuck ourselves. Um, no, we're, I'm just gonna pick an album, and uh, and that's what we're gonna talk about. What yeah. was the last one you did? It was last Blind Melon. Last one I Melon. did was Blind Melon. There you go. Yep, told you to go fuck yourself, and we listened <laughs> to one of my favorite albums from the early 90s. I did not love it. I didn't even love it, but, but I liked it then, and your previous it was nice to hear. choice was... Uh, ben Folds 5. Was fine, but uh, you know what? I, I think... I thought it was the um, Such Great Heights band. Postal Service? No, Postal that was just Service, one. Which I that quite was one. Enjoyed. Yeah, no, that was not a dealer's choice. I don't think that was a quasi dealer's choice because I had no knowledge of it. And I right. was just, I just was like magnanimous. I said, Bob, let's, let's do, do it because it, yeah. it means a lot to you. But that's see, now we're digging into what makes me a great friend, and that's not what Ooh, this is about. Yeah, no, it's not. We could get into that <laughs> in a separate episode. Let's talk about why I'm choosing Semisonics. Feeling strangely fine because nobody else is. <laughs> Somebody had to do it on the internet. You're the guy that did it. Because there's literally no one else in 2018 society that's even thinking about this album. There's zero clamoring for somebody to really dive into Semisonic's debut album. And let it and let it show, let it let the record show, Your Honor, that if there's ever been proof that we are doing this as a passion project, it's just something that we like to do. And if and if you're listening and you're one of our Patreones. Um, we love you and appreciate you or just a listener. We like you, but not quite as much. No, we like the Patreonies more. They're our favorite kids. What it's really about is Bob and I in the garage shooting the shit. And uh, today I want to talk about a completely forgotten 21-year-old album. Well, you say completely forgotten. The album itself, yes, is completely forgotten, but the band has left a a little piece of uh, gold that will be carried on for generation after generation with their big single off this album. Okay. So it's not a completely forgotten we'll entity. Very quickly. I'm sure we will. But uh, it's not a big album. I don't know how big it was. Or an time. artist. Or a big artist. Yeah. There's did, a big dude involved. I'm sure we'll dive into that. We'll get into Dan Wilson. Yeah. Uh, did you like Semisonic? Did you own this album? I did not own this album. I like Semisonic. They were a band that I followed. I feel like they were a Napster band for me where I would download 
as many songs as I could for free off Napster, but I definitely did not own the album. So you were basically a, a conniving piece of shit. I was a conniving piece of shit. Wilson's coffers. But only one of us in this room got sued by Metallica for being a piece of shit. <laughs> I think it's sued. not me. I got kicked off Napster <laughs> for downloading a sick Metallica. By the way, calm down. You're not that good. I downloaded Fuel. One fucking song. Give me fuel. Give me fire. Kick that off of Napster. <laughs> and Lars Ulrich decided to take a stand against the kids. Team Lars, guys. I'm on Smart team move, guys. Lars. Anyway, so we're going to talk about Semisonic, uh, Minneapolis's uh, Shining Suns. But before we do that, we're going to get into what was going on uh, in our lives in, in this country when the album came out. Now, I want to... This feels very of a time... Very late 97, I want to say. Not quite. Early 98? Early 98. Okay, so like a February 98 banger? Mar- March 24th, okay. 1998. All right, let's. what was going on, Bob, in March 98? I will tell you everything that's going on in March 98. Can you pass me over that wire over there, Dan? We have one wire. We are very... High quality production here in the garage. The garage, by the way, which looks fantastic, Dan. Been doing a lot of work. Did a lot of work in here. A lot of masculine work. And uh, I'll tell you what. Got a carpet. Got some lighting. Got some. Uh, got a television in here now. We got a nice uh, setup. I'm feeling good about the carpet. Feeling good about the uh, garage. Hey, Dan. The carpet really ties the room together. Fuck you, Bob. Big Lebowski reference. refs. Because Big Lebowski came out in March 1998. Ooh. Go fuck yourself. That was the transition of the year. That was a great transition. <laughs> and also, Bob, this garage, which is now carpeted and almost livable, is a great place for you to live once your wife kicks you out of the house for doing a podcast with me. It is coming, guys. She's not a fan of this podcast or of Dan. Okay. Yes. Movies that came out in March 98, besides The Big Lebowski, which I think has the title of my favorite movie of all time. It's definitely... No, it doesn't. It has. It's a movie I go to more than... Since when? Probably... Oh, eight-ish. Like when we moved to... Lebowski is Bob's favorite movie. When we moved to LA and I was living with Jason and Brian... And you were in and out, watched it a lot. What? Loved, I'm stunned that this is your Love the movie. Big Lebowski. I know we don't really, we've never talked about it. Because I quite like the film. Um, it's I, not in like my favorites, but I had no idea you were even aware of like the movie <laughs> in terms of like uh, on an intimate level. It is probably the movie I watched the most. Wow. Well, yeah. You learn something new every day. How about that? We're still learning about still each other. Still learning about then. each other. It's just the way. Got my dick so hard right now. I'm, I'm glad. Uh, other movies, your favorite movie came out that month, Wild Things, starring Kevin Bacon. Yes. And, of that course, was, Naomi uh, Campbell and Denise Richards. A movie we saw in the theaters together, Dan. We saw in the theater together <laughs> uh, just because we were pervs. But we were not alone. A no, lot of people, no. once the word got out that there was a... Kevin Bacon's dick. Kevin Bacon's cock <laughs> was involved. But, no, the, everyone was aware. And, again, this is really before the internet and... Uh, before everything was at a fingertip uh, distance to mm-hmm. ejaculation. <laughs> so when when you told we were told that Nev Campbell, who was like the hottest like girl next door mm-hmm. uh, TV star five, at the time, party of five scream, yeah, right. And Denise Richards, who was the up and coming next biggest sex symbol at the time, yep, had a full on. Rated R lesbian scene together? Topless lesbian scene. Well, Denise was topless. I remember uh, uh, 
Naomi Campbell was able to um, kind Nev of Campbell. Nev Campbell. Nev Campbell. Naomi <laughs> Campbell. I'm thinking of a different movie. Uh, no, Nev was able to kind of like turn around a little bit yes. and kind of avoid the fully topless. See, part. that's how intimately familiar we yes. are with that scene that Bob is referencing. Really deep cut within that scene, and I know exactly what he's talking exactly, about. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it it the scene does involve uh, Matt Dillon, whose dick you do not see, uh, pouring champagne. But you could like you could like like imagine it if you want to. <laughs> yeah, on Denise Richards's giant fake boobs. So it was really an important <laughs> movie in our it was life. Very at the time. important. Uh, Meet the Deedles, which had a great uh, soundtrack, also came out. It that was month. like a big ska punk soundtrack, right? <laughs> yeah, and I think it had the homie song by uh, you know Weezer. It was like a Weezer. Oh, did it? Option. Okay, and. Uh, Another movie came out that month. I'm not going to play the uh, clip from the movie, but I am going to play you this. This begs the question now, now, uh, why a movie with Carrot Top? <laughs> why a movie with Carrot Top? I mean, no, I don't know much about Carrot Top, you know? I, I, I don't know much about him. I'm a little jealous because he's a red-haired comedian, and I felt like maybe you'd do a movie with me first, then move on to Carrot Top, then to Ralph Mao from Happy Days. <laughs> But uh, what's the movie going to be called? Really? I know what it's going to be called. Yeah, what's that? <laughs> if it's got Carrot Top in it, you know what a good name for it would be? What's that, Norm? Box Office Poison. <laughs> I'm in it too! Poor Courtney Thorne-Smith. <laughs> I'm in it too, come on. <laughs> the, the, maybe the greatest moment in Conan O'Brien history is Norm McDonald savaging chairman of the board. Yep. Carrot Top's uh, big film. The greatest moment actually comes up a little bit later in the clip. <laughs> All right. Well, there's this two-hour season finale of Melrose Place. There's this movie coming out. Yes. Title undetermined at this point. Chairman of the board. Oh. All right. <laughs> Do something with that, you freak. <laughs> <laughs> I, I bet the board is spelled B-O-R-E-D. <laughs> <laughs> And Conan loses it. He loses Conan it. Conan loses it at that. And even Courtney <laughs> Thorne Smith is like, yeah, you got us. Uh, I love that because Conan's like such a like uh, instigator during that as well because Conan's yeah. feeding uh, and waiting for Norm to do that. Uh, explode. So that's what – did you see Chairman of the Board? I've seen that movie. I don't think I've seen it. It's fucking wild. At one point, um, uh, I believe Courtney Thorne Smith calls Carrot Top by his name. Oh, yeah, that's right. That does happen. I remember hearing about that at the time. <laughs> uh, anyway, so that came out. That I don't think out. that did very well. Uh, probably not. Uh, it's not Norm's fault, though. Uh, other news that month, Van Halen 3 came out featuring their new frontman, Gary Sharon. Gary Sharon. <laughs> Gary Sharon. It didn't work out. Did not Shouldn't work out. Should have picked Gary. <laughs> Uh, on the cover of Maxim Magazine that month, Dan. I know this is important to you. Do you want Wait, to, where are we again? Do you want to venture a guess? We are in March 98. Who was on the cover of Maxim Magazine? Uh, the the lead female from the Drew Carey show. <laughs> no, that was the first uh, Maxim. This was Alyssa Milano. Oh, yeah. She, yes. Yep, she did a nice job. One of the ongoing bits we have with our friend Mike is uh, our friend Mike, who is very, he's very, how do you say this? Like he considers Maxim like to be x-rated like he's, he's very tame he's very tame he doesn't no no he doesn't consider maxim to be x-rated but things that are actually x-rated do nothing for him like it does it's not even on his radar right so if you give him like a lad mag or a swimsuit issue that that's considered 
racy to him. And that's kind of like where his limit is. So a lot of times when we're texting in, in the group and we're talking about really disgusting stuff, one of us will just uh, text a picture of an old Maxim cover to just make sure Mike feels comfortable. So Mike's included. <laughs> and I feel like the Alyssa Milano one gets a lot of play. Oh, yeah. She, yeah. <laughs> she, she's definitely synonymous with Maxim in the late 90s. <laughs> uh, TV shows that premiered that month, Two Guys, A Girl, in a Pizza Place. Which yep. Never us, saw it. Don't care. Ryan Reynolds. Gave us Ryan Reynolds. And this show premiered. The series premiered this month. On this episode of True Life, mm. Tommy, Anthony, and a few of their closest friends oh, as they spend weekends in their rented house near the Atlantic Ocean, seeking out parties. Saturday night seaside, I'm getting crazy. Getting in rumbles. You wanna square up, bitch? Enduring heartburn. Mm. The cool ranch Doritos are killing me. And of course, looking for true love. It's 3.30 right now in the a.m., yeah. and I will find her before this night's over, and this night ain't over till about and 9, 10 o'clock in the morning. So, <laughs> so true life. <laughs> Not that episode, but true life the series, and any excuse to play true life, I have a summer share uh, on our podcast. I, epic. I used it. And they just, uh, someone recently put the whole episode on YouTube. I rewatched it about, I don't know, about two months ago. Eh, about two months ago, <laughs> and it holds up incredibly well. It's the greatest. It is what a lot of people don't realize, Bob, and you know this, but a lot of people don't realize that the entire phenomenon of Jersey Shore, and even now, because that show is doing well again when they brought it back, uh, that is all based directly off I Have a Summer Share, the True Life episode from 2003. Yeah. It People was, don't even like no, realize nobody that. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Nobody's um, that plugged in. <laughs> and ju I just want to test your uh, pop culture for that era, Bob. Who is the narrator in that? Gideon, Former Viacom. Gideon Yago? Yeah. Yeah. Colleague. No, I. Gideon so, Yago, wasn't it? Yago. I go Yago. I worked on True Life for a little bit at MTV, and I sat in the a cubicle where they would just dub all the betas. Yeah. So I was in there for uh, some of that. I remember the the one where the true life I'm getting married, where the guy freaks out at the uh, the limo that get lo got lost, and he's like, "I'm gonna cut you like a fucking fish." Remember that guy? I remember yes. watching that in there. Uh, the true life uh, I'm getting calf implants. I was oh, there for like the gold, the golden era of true life, so it was a lot of fun. People get upset about MTV; they stop playing videos, blah blah blah. But they've always done such a great job with those documentaries, yeah. and uh, even be before true life. You remember the Dog Brothers? Oh, of course. From the I, what was it? The Sex series? What was it called? It was real. Called no, Sex not real in the Sex. 90s. Sex in the nineties. Yeah. Uh, they've always had great programming, uh, but nothing will ever top uh, Summer Share. Yeah, True Life Summer Share. Nothing. I mean, that's it. Yeah. Nope. And now uh, the number one. I'll fix that too. And finally, the number one um, alt rock song. When your favorite album of all times. Feeling Strangely Fine came out. Well, that's strong, but was this one? Hanging around downtown Ooh. by myself, and I had so Ooh. much time to sit and think about myself, and then there she was, like double cherry pie. Yeah, there she was, like, like disco superfly. Marcy Playground, Sex and Candy. 
Yeah. Very 90s. A very, I don't know, is that a bad song? I mean, it's I a memorable know. song it's and it's memorable. part of our youth, but is it a really bad song? I don't ultimately? know. I think I like it more now than I did then. This isn't doing anything for you? No, I mean, it, it, to me, at some point, it like stopped being even like a, a song. It's just like a part of my life. Right. But I don't know. Is it even a song? I'm not even <laughs> ready to give it that. I don't know. It's tough. I mean, obviously, Marcy Playground, at best, a good one hit wonder. At worst, not even a song. Wait, at, did at they worst, have a second song? I don't even think so. At worst, they're not even a band that made a song, according <laughs> to Dan Hansis. They're just, that's just something that exists. I mean, that seems to be, I, I got to be honest, even as somebody that made that comment, that seems to be over marginalizing them. <laughs> uh, and I, I apologize if that's, if that's how that came off. Okay, but, uh, that's good. Marcy Playground will sleep soundly tonight knowing you said I'm sorry. All right. Enough of all that bullshit. Why don't we listen to a real song? <laughs> Your favorite album ever. God. I mean, one of the great starts of a 90s song. Yeah, this is it. Let's listen. Closing time. Open all the doors and let you out into the world. Closing time. Turn all of the lights on over every boy and every girl. Closing time. One last call for alcohol, so finish your whiskey or beer. Closing time, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. I know who I want to take me home. I know. Closing time, track one off of Feeling Strangely Fine by Semisonic, also the lead single, also the song that the band is most identified by. Oh, is this a single? I think it was, Bob. It was pretty uh, inescapable in March of 98. Number one, Bob, on the modern rock track. Makes sense. I mean, it was incredible. It's an incredible song. I always like that line. Gather up your jaggets and move it to the exits. It was like he kind of stretched it a little bit, a little bit of a Kanye move, where Kanye <laughs> used to like take words to make them rhyme. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I mean, I think in terms of what um, kind of melodic, mid-tempo alternative rock, which is my favorite music. Yeah, this is a functionally perfect song. I agree with that. Yeah, and you know what? In my in my brain. This has always been tied to that same world as Sex and Candy as like an unavoidable song that came out. And are but seen... isn't this a better song than that? I think it is a better song than that. But it's in that same class of, you know, obviously Marcy Playground, One Hit Wonder, Semisonic, a little more than a One Hit Wonder. Depends on how generous you want to be. Yeah, no. But in that right. same world, Folk Implosion, Natural One. Remember that song? I put that in the same. Yes, a real natural Yeah, one. I put that in that same sort of like very catchy, one-hit wondery kind of songs. Uh, this song, Bob, on the surface, is a song about people leaving a bar at closing time. However, the drummer of Semisonic, who you know, of course, Bob, 
Jacob Slitcher. Slitch. 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 Yeah. Slit. Uh, he indicated the song was written by Dan Wilson, the lead singer, in anticipation of fatherhood and that it is about being sent forth from the womb as if by a bouncer clearing out a bar. Now listen to the chorus after hearing that. I don't know if I buy that. I mean, my first rule, rule number one in rock and roll, Dan, never trust the drummer. Never that, trust the drummer. This guy's clearly fucking just wants to talk to somebody, and he's going to say whatever he has right. to. Right. And it, it passes the ultimate test, Bob, of whether a song was culturally relevant, uh, because Closing Time was the final song in the polka melody medley, Polka Power, on Weird Al Yankovic's 1999 <laughs> album, Running With Scissors. You know what? You you like throwing Weird Al as like Bob's the big Weird Al fan. You bring him up all the time. I only bring him up when it's in the context of whatever <laughs> we're talking about. And and Al Yankovic, when a song really hits, he will grab hold of it like a it's vampire true. and uh, suck it dry for whatever is left, you know, and uh, turn it into his own thing. That sounded negative, but... And we actually talked about it last week, Bob. Of course we did. We talked about Aerosmith and uh, the, what is the Aerosmith line that was a very popular senior line, senior quote line? Uh, That was the life's a journey, not a destination. Right, which was extremely popular, but this was the 98 line. Closing time, every new beginning comes from some other beginning. So if you were a basic bitch in I was going to say, last week you called me basic because my my girlfriend and I, our song was Don't Want to Miss a Thing by Aerosmith. I mean, but I wasn't on. basic enough to put that as my senior quote. Come on. You weren't. And I'm not saying you were, Bob, but I'm saying a lot of people did. <laughs> Those are basic motherfuckers. Um, I would say, though, Bob, that don't want to miss a thing as being your song is more basic. No, no, no. But I was like closing time being, yeah, but I was like kind of like Ben Affleck and she was kind of like Liv Tyler. And we kind of like had like the uh, animal crackers, Mm. you know, that was us. Let's just keep moving. All right, track two, Singing in My Sleep, Bob. It was the second single on the album. And, you know, shouts to Semisonic for not fucking around. They're like, you know, for Aerosmith, for instance, last week, we were talking about it, it took forever for that album to get going. Maybe Semisonic went too far the other way. They're just like, we're rolling out the best we got, one, two here. I was going to say, shout out to their lazy-ass label that's like, what's the first single? I don't know, track one. All right, what's the second single then? Oh, okay. uh, This is... When I try to figure out like songs that I thought would be bigger hits yeah. in the 90s, this one's right at the top. Well, 
But I say that, but this song was released in ni- November 98, which was a very weird time. That was the turn. That was, was the turning. right at the turn and alternative rock and and all the, um, the dark forces of new metal were rising up. Yeah, and you could listen to our corn episode to find out how we felt exactly, about that. Exactly. And it's like <laughs> this song, maybe a couple years earlier, would have done better. But yeah. as it was, uh, it it actually reached number 11 on the modern rock charts, um, but it didn't really it didn't really go huge. It right. Just a nice follow-up single to close the time. I like how it's like uh, awkward musically. Like I like how the dun dun duns are like a little. The pacing is different mm. than the guitars. Like I like that. It's a little like off-putting in a fun way. Um, I like any songs that talk about mixtapes and stuff. Yeah. Because everybody can relate to that, and this song is uh, about that in part. Um, that he's trying to. Uh, reach her through the mixtape. That's good. We all did that. Yeah. The oh, the dream was always that you would make the girl the mixtape, and we'll get into this by when we get to the Bobcast show mixtape yeah. coming up. But the dream was always that she would be so enamored, not only by you, but by your your music choices and the song selection that she would play it at night. Right. And then she would fall asleep to it. And then these songs would be singing to her in her sleep. Like the way that you would think about her while you were listening to those songs and making the mixtape, she would then think about you while she was listening to them. And it would just, yeah, you guys would connect over that music. Exactly. Um, Ooh, by the way, Bob, look at this. The band invited fans from its email list to participate in a song swap in which fans could help choose songs for a, quote, ultimate mixtape. To be used in the Singing in My Sleep video. Wait, this was in 98? They had an email list? Yeah, in exchange. So they got like six email, like six responses? Like how many? I don't know, but okay. but they were plugged in on the whole element of it. And uh, I, this, to me, is a great like power pop song that should have been bigger. And when I bought this album and I heard, I knew Closing Time. Yeah. And maybe I knew this and maybe I didn't. I was like, whoa, wait, maybe this is my favorite album ever. Because we are <laughs> flying through track two. Do you uh, do you remember how uh, laborious it was to email somebody in 1998? Because uh, it wasn't like God, I don't even remember emailing people in the like 90s. It, it wasn't what it is now. Like when we were at college, emailing people, it wasn't like, "Hey, what's up, asshole? Call me." It was like a letter. <laughs> oh, you wrote a letter. Yeah, you sat down and like spent an hour writing a letter, like a Civil War letter, <laughs> like. Hello, Greg. How is college for you? <laughs> and like, you would just true. go on and on and on. It was an actual It was task. an actual test. Yeah. And then you would send it, and then you would wait for wait. a response. And the response would be a detailed rundown of what was going on How in fucking dumb life. were we in 1998? Because it was all new technology that we weren't just <laughs> like, oh, I could just send three lines, and then they could send three lines. We still had that letter-writing mentality, yeah. like that sort of muscle memory of like, here's how you, how, here's how you uh, talk to people. And that's what we did, like a bunch of idiots. Right. And you like my I remember my uh, quasi high school sweetheart, Sarah, who we kind of had a thing in high school and then through the early years of college. Mm-hmm. And a big part of that relationship became when she was in Villanova. And then eventually I was in Boston, the emails that we would send. And I, I could remember it's funny you brought it up because now it's bringing back the memory of being in because I didn't have a computer initially, so I would have to go to the computer lab, uh-huh. uh, and and you would just kind of like try really hard 
to write a fucking trenchant email <laughs> you really that just... would connect and be funny and witty and interesting. And fucking long. And then you would wait. And you'd there was no checking your phone to see, oh, did I get a reply? You're not getting pinged in a notification. You'd have to log back into your email server to find out whether you got a reply. And that took time. Yeah. <laughs> but it could have been so easy if we would have just been able to like advance our minds to be like, oh, we can communicate quickly. <laughs> yes. We weren't there yet. We weren't there yet. But you know As what? a species, we weren't there yet. But you say that like we weren't there yet, like... We got there and we progressed, but again, is that better? Well, no, but if it's that the was, same. Wasn't there something romantic about no, actually there was. communicating? There that was way? old man, but it's the same as like text messages where we joke about how like we didn't know how to be funny on text messages until like a few years in. Bob's dead inside, so he no, didn't like I'm it. Just, it was too personal for him. I'm just amazed that we're not smarter, <laughs> that it takes us like a little time to figure these things out. Right, that it, do, it didn't have to be so involved. Yeah. I got you. I, um, I, I miss letters too, Dan. Don't worry. Yeah. You know, we could bring them back. Just send long, long emails to each just other. Just to our wives. <laughs> like, honey, what the fuck? What the fuck? Like, I you said this you to me like day. 10 days ago. I'm, I'm just at, seeing it. I'm at work. Why were you sending me this? <laughs> like, you get a reply from your wife. It's just a question mark. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it would be. Uh, all right. Here's track three. Ooh, this is another nice one. It's called Made to Last. Let's listen. Uh, this was not a single bop, but I feel like it could have been. The reason I love this album so much, and especially right now, I'm listening to the songs and I'm just like, fuck. Uh, they're so warm. Yeah. It's such a, like, he's such a great songwriter, Dan Wilson. And he went on to have a lot of success uh, with the Dixie Chicks and all sorts of... Adele. Adele later on in his career as a songwriter. But... Um, I think he's just such a good songwriter and the music, it just sounds, there's a warmth to it that really comes out. And this is one of my favorite songs as well. This song, they really come out hard on this. Not hard. There's nothing hard about Nothing hard about this. Uh, But in terms of like some of their best work on the album, they, they roll them out right off the top. Yeah, I've never heard this before. This is right in my wheelhouse. Really like this. I'm a little surprised you missed Semisonic in terms of that album cycle. Yeah, I don't know why. It does seem up your alley. It would have been. Yeah, I don't know why. There's no logical reason. Um, so, yeah, this is made to last. They only actually released three sa- singles, Bob, on the album. I don't even know what the third one's going to be. I'm excited about that. I think you'll know it, though, because it did get some play, got some run, I feel like, maybe in like TV shows. Right. Uh, and it is coming up somewhat soon. Let's listen to a little bit more of this.
good so stuff, good stuff. For you, is this a, because this came out in the spring or senior year of high school, for you, is this a high school album or is it something you connected with after we graduated, kind of summer going into college? I would guess because I stayed home the first two, year of co- two years of college and this kind of, now that I'm thinking about it, kind of seems like it connects with when I was home, I didn't have a lot of uh, like social life at that point. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I probably listened to this album a lot and got way into it. And yeah, I was, that makes sense. I this, don't think it was a high school album. The sing, uh, Closing Time was a high school song. Right. I feel like if this was a high school album for you, you would have got me into it. So that's why I asked. Yeah, maybe that's It makes it sense is. that you would have connected with it a little bit later. Uh, all right, here we go. Next track. Uh, I just picture you uh, listening to this, sitting, staring at your computer, just checking your emails, <laughs> just hoping that somebody took the time to send you a nice long email. Signing out of Bono Man 2000 at AOL <laughs> yes. and in and out and in. All right, next track. Never you mind. Never You Mind, Bob. Another one I enjoy quite a bit. This is my favorite song of all time. <laughs> this definitely, you know what this has? It has a bit of a uh, Ben Folds 5 It does. To it, it just reminds me of like that mid-90s alt rock that I loved. I like this a lot. Uh, yeah. they. Dan Wilson wasn't fucking around on this album. I remember with um, when this album came out and then maybe the year later, we were just talking at the top of the show about MTV Docs. There was a MTV, it might have even been an MTV2 special about One Hit Wonders. Mm-hmm. And it the episode ended with uh, who are the next One Hit Wonders. Mm. And then somebody mentioned Semisonic. And there was somebody that was, maybe Dave Holmes, but maybe even somebody more respected than that, like a Kurt Loder type. Like a Jesse Camp type? Maybe above the camp. And he's like, what? no, I don't think you should ever think of Semisonic as a One Hit Wonder. Uh, there's something different going on with that band. And it ended up being they were one-hit wonders. But as I listen to the song, it just reminds me that I feel like this band had a lot more to give. They just came out in the wrong time. Well, I yeah. And I think whoever said that saw the potential in Dan Wilson as a songwriter. And he wasn't completely wrong. But it was Gideon Yego. It was probably Yego or Yago. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, this is great. I have to uh, get a mixer for my Tito, so I'm going to play it a little more. Okay, thank you. There's like some Ben Folds piano going on right now, Dan. You're missing it. So for me, it's four for four. Are you are you in on this album right now? Yeah, actually, um, yeah, I'm in. 
three three was maybe if I really listened to it, I would like three as much as the other ones. But yeah, I'm in. All right. Now. Now what happens? The third. What happens next, Dan? <laughs> See, you're in. The third and final uh, single from the album, Secret Smile. Oh, yeah. Nobody knows it, but you've got a secret smile And you use it only for me Nobody knows it, but you've got a secret smile And you use it only for me So use it and prove it Remove this world in sadness I'm losing and blessing But you Mm-mm-mm. Little fun fact, Bob. This song is the uh, biggest hit they've had in the UK. Really? Has a big UK footprint. It's very star salary, so that makes sense. Oh, I could see that. I could see that. Um, and it was uh, also very extremely popular. Uh, in television series at the time. Semisonic was a perfect band for certain types of shows yeah, to use. Yeah. Shows like Charmed and <laughs> yep. uh, Dawson's Creek, which both used I was gonna, this. I was going to guess Buffy. Like This is like a song that you could see at some point in like a Buffy the Vampire Slayer episode. Right. So Dawson's Creek is close enough. As well as the uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar vehicle co-starring Sean Patrick Flannery. Simple. Wait, what's the name of that? It's uh, She's a Chef. Fuck, what was the name of that movie? Come on, Bob. Simple, you got right? This. Simple? You're there. You're halfway uh, home. Simple <laughs> twist. Simply irresistible. Simply irresistible. It's so dumb. Oh, my God. We loved her so much that I think I saw the movie because of that. Oh, boy. And it was not good. Uh, so this is a pretty big deal. Uh, a young, an extremely young Paul Rudd, by the way, has a cameo in this video. Really? And I believe Christina Hendricks as well, uh, if, if you check it out. Um, I think it's a great, great song. Love it. Yeah, Semisonic feels like one of those bands that if you were like at a Hollywood party and you made a joke about Semisonic, some guy would be like, hey, dude, these guys are my friends. It's like, or like in 1999, I'd be like, dude, those guys are the fucking next Beatles. Yeah, there's also that. Like, Shut up, loader. <laughs> All right, John Norris, we get it. And I'm lying alone. I know there's something. I have a John Norris story. Someone very close to me. Yeah. Um, in terms of my bloodline. Okay. Um, met John Norris in a bar in Brooklyn about a year ago. Okay. And John Norris um, invited this individual back to his apartment and then relentlessly pursued a sexual dalliance mm. that evening. 
And uh, this individual, who's not uh, a gay man, he turned it down. Oh, man, I really hoped you were going to say went with it. That would have been a better story. Uh, How about that? That I mean, Norris had a reputation. Wait, are we outing John Norris? No, I think he's out. No, I just want to, we should Gee, be clear. We should be clear. I mean, no, we're going to do a little research, and if he is out, it will stay in. And if he's not, <laughs> well, we'll just have to scrub it, and I apologize. It was known. I mean, it was known when I worked there. Yeah. Um, so John Norris did not fuck this person in my life. Okay, so but he tried to. Okay. That's my little John Norris thing. I love it. I don't care if he's out or not. We have to keep that in. Uh, John Norris. So one of my favorite, like, dumb days at MTV, there was a mass oh, email. Are we trading John Norris stories? No, I've well, always this, wanted to do this. <laughs> Somehow we've waited this long. This actually isn't Norris. This is more a Kurt Loder story, but Norris is involved. Uh, and if the, if there's one thing I love more than trading John Norris stories, it's <laughs> Kurt Loder stories. Uh, we got, like, one of those company-wide emails that went out to the thousands of MTV employees just about something stupid. Yeah. And one idiot replied all. And it just triggered off the everybody replying all thing. Like all of these like 23 year old jabronis who were trying to be funny. So funny. And it just went on like all day long until Kurt Loder fucking replied all. It was just like, hey guys, let's grow up enough with these mass emails. And then John Norris doubled down like, yeah, seriously. And that was it. Kurt Loder and John Norris ended it. And by the way, Norris unnecessary once loader does it loader's the fucking loader's the guy that broke kurt cobain's suicide in mtv news <laughs> like that's it yeah. that's walter cronkite no john norris had to double down we don't need you know it's like walter cronkite cronkite just shut it down we don't need brian williams chiming in with the fucking <laughs> yeah off the top turnbuckle slam yep well and kurt's th- right though and yeah. then and then sway walked from cubicle to cubicle and told us to all stop no, that part's not true. <laughs> hey, boys, let's just calm down <laughs> a little bit here. That's my sway. That's a good sway. Uh, this is DND, Bob, which is an acronym for Dungeons and Dragons. Nerd. Do not disturb. Make me wanna play forever here behind your door. Minute I got some space and time, I wanted to get me back in the crowd. I got some peace you found me trying to make my way to the I feel like if I had a girlfriend today it's a great game to play for me in the 90s if I had a girlfriend I would have really enjoyed this album with her I was about a year away from having like a actual sexual relationship um, you're welcome thank you Bob for your big hairy dick um, but the this dick, wait my dick is hairy too the whole thing the bass straight like up a, to the head. It's like a pine cone, but with <laughs> hair. That's gross. But this uh, this feels like a good uh, a couple's album. Like one of those albums that you could put on and, and the lady's going to like. That's yeah. If people are like, people that get mad, they're like, why is Coldplay so popular? Why, why have they had such a great career? It's because they put out a lot of albums that can pass that test. Absolutely. Yeah. You just put it on. And you don't, you don't like this comparison, Bob, because you don't like to talk about you too, but you too did the same thing. There's there's certain alternative rock or rock bands that pass that like the Rolling Stones don't really pass the test That's as true. great as they are. Mm-hmm. The Beatles though, for another generation at least, 
guys and girls could listen to him. Yeah. Oasis, not really, but... Give me one, Bob. You need that one. Well, Count of Crows, Pete, early Count of Crows. Early Crows. Pete Yorn is another one you can put on. Yorn. Probably a lot of the albums we've talked about on this very podcast uh, because we're that hardcore. We're very hard. <laughs> I mean, my wife and I listen to Corn all the time. So, all right. It's that, Kid Rock, Limpet. We, we do all of Robbie it. Robbie Williams, Stained. people have crossed the, uh, the pond. Oh, yeah. They just, like, obviously. Fucking, they just listen to Angels and be like, when we die. <laughs> Let's, let's just do it together and just get buried to this beautiful, beautiful uh, song. R.E.M.? Yeah, R.E.M.'s another good one. Singer-songwriters, Ray LaMontagne, like music like that. That works. M. Ward, stuff like that's great. Uh, all right, there you go. That's D&D, uh, a you know, perfect kind of middle-of-the-album type song. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is called... I like how respectful you are because it's your dealer's choice. You just called it a middle-of-the-album kind of song and not mid-album filler. Yeah, because we're going to get to mid-album filler. Okay. Yeah, I... I I'm keeping it real here. Because I think we're here. I just feel like if it was Blind Melon, you would have really just laid into that <laughs> laid into that song. <laughs> Your job, Bob, is to uh, take the fangs out when necessary. And I'll completely understand. I like Dan Wilson and I like music like this. So I don't think it's going to get too ugly. All right. Well, let's listen to this one because this one might be on the edge. Kind of nineties. It's nineties. You're not going to get me to say anything negative though, because I have so many CDs like this. From back <laughs> right. Like I just don't own. Like I just that. don't own this one, but I have so right. many CDs like this. I am really surprised that this album is not in your mix. Do you remember their their follow up single? I remember uh, all about chemistry. Yes. Yeah. It was okay. It was fine, but it was even. Isn't it? There's certain artists. Or albums that just are so nondescript that even if you're a huge fan of their previous album, you you hear the single and and there's just no buzz and you don't dig in. Yeah, I never bought that album right. and I don't know anything about it. It might be great, but I don't think it is because very similar to my last dealer's choice, Blind Melon, where I never bought Soup, even though Galaxy was the first single. You didn't buy Soup. Never bought Soup because there wasn't enough to it. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, next track is This Will Be My Year. Sorry, my dealer's selection. Dealer's selection, of course. The um, There's a, a really fun slash bad early 2000s um, rom-com that uses all about the chemistry during a uh, a joyride where the, the, the couple just gets on a bus in San Francisco and travels, crisscrosses across the city all afternoon. Uh, Can you name it? Fuck. Um, I was going to guess it was the one where uh, Mark Ruffalo was dead and Reese Witherspoon was hanging out with him the whole time. No, but that sounds awesome. Is <laughs> <laughs> uh, that Sweet Home Alabama? <laughs> no, I mean, maybe. Uh, fuck, wait, they're in. Oh, wait, it's not the sweetest thing, is it? No. No, that's not really a rom com. Fuck. 40 Days and 40 Nights with Josh. Oh, Hartnett. you love that movie. And. Uh, my girl. Who's my girl? She's also in the Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. Not or uh, uh, show. What was her name? 
show uh, Shoshana Lowenstein. <laughs> That's Jerry Seinfeld's <laughs> like underage girlfriend that everyone was cool with. Remember that? That was a different time. Uh, <laughs> hey, the biggest sitcom star in the world is dating a 17-year-old. Eh. Yeah, like Jewish American princess from Long Island. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. He's funny. It's fine. She has large breasts. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what? Okay. Uh, no, it was... Um, come on, Bob. You work in Hollywood. It's your girl. You got to know this. She did the... We've talked about her on the pod before. Fuck. Yeah, you got to look it up. All right, Bob. Don't do the story. Vamp, Bob. People are, people are screaming right now at you for this. Well, this is good because it's a good opportunity for me to just say that, like, Aerosmith's Don't Want to Miss a Thing was a good song. And, you know, I was going off to college and, you know, it was kind of like, let's enjoy this time. I already found it, but thing. I just want to hear the story. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? What's her name? No, keep going. No, that's about it. What was it? Um... Josh Hartnett. Shannon Sossaman. Sossaman. Thank you, Bob. Yes. Shannon Sossaman and Josh Hartnett. Uh, a great hook, if you're a, a Catholic boy like myself, was that he was a total coos hound, right? Uh-huh. Uh, Hartnett. And for whatever reason, and he had, who was like the ultimate uh, Jewish friend in the late 90s? Oh, you the, know guy, the Jewish guy I'm talking the about. Guy the, from hair. Bro- the guy from Road Trip that you hated? Yeah. That guy got on my nerves, <laughs> but not in an anti-Semitic way. A little anti-Semitic. You hated that guy. I just didn't like him, but uh, <laughs> it wasn't for anti-Semitism reasons. Uh, what was his name again? Uh, Jewy Jewface. <laughs> That's what you. I mean, that's what you called him all the time. I can't remember his actual name. Uh, was his name really Paolo Costanzo? No, no. Holy shit! What, it was is. it really? <laughs> you hated Wait, what? That guy. Oh, his mother was a Jew. <laughs> Italian father and a, a, a Jewish mother. Oh, like me, the friends. But his name was Paolo Costanzo. We, we didn't know that. That doesn't check out. Anyway, but he was like the go-to, like snarky, funny friend. Yeah. Of that era, who I thought was really funny in Road Trip, a very underrated comedy. Mm. Anyway, um, in that movie, he was a total coos hound to decide. He lived in in San Francisco. He decided to give up sex for forty days for Lent, and then he meets Shannon Sossman, and he's just like, "Damn, I want to fuck." But we got to just date for Can't forty days. Can't do it. Can't do it. And so I, I enjoy really bad um, early aughts rom coms. Oh, they're the best. Uh, my favorite was Drive Me Crazy. Remember that one? Was that the uh, Britney Spears song with the Melissa Joan Hart and the Entourage guy? Yep. Adrian Grenier and uh, I don't know if Melissa I ever saw Joan that one. Oh, it's so good. What's the plot there? I, I like talking about the plots. Oh, the they're movies. neighbors. And it's like the classic Can't Buy Me Love kind of thing where he's like a weirdo and she's super popular or something. And then something happens to her. So they need to pretend to date, but then they fall for each other. And the Donnas play uh, play at the prom, but their name is the Electrocutes. It was a great, great album. Wait, great. their name the Electrocutes? Yeah. Just let them be the Donnas. <laughs> let them promote the brand. Uh, no, they had to be the Electrocutes. Um, all right, here's All Worked Out. We're in the back, back end now, bud. Okay.
he's very hard to like kind of hate because he's kind of just like a pop craftsman. He just it's very polished in yeah. a good way. There's something very Ben Foldsy to his voice, especially in this song. Yeah, I can hear that. Uh, and it sounds very British to me. Like there's something very British to this. I think there's a, definitely a British sensibility to it all. Have you ever listened to uh, this guy Ed Harcourt? Mm-mm. See, that was one of those albums I bought at some point around this time or a little bit later that sounds like this. Like there was a lot of stuff like this, but hmm. somehow I missed this one. That was huge. I think. And you know, what's great about like, we kind of sleep on this as a, uh, the world's a lot better now than it used to be. Mm-hmm. Like in, in the nineties, you'd have to go to the wall and pay 1844 to get this album. If you really liked it. Now you can just go on Spotify or whatever and just, just listen to get it. it. It's yours. Well, also, or we could have just uh, had that one guy we knew that would steal albums from the wall and just pay him five bucks to go do it. Yeah. Yeah. That, that guy seemed to be going places. <laughs> um, all right. So now the album is in its back three songs. And, and this is now that I'm listening to the, the album in full for the first time in a while. I, I can't believe um, how much I like the whole album because I really love the back end of the album. Uh, the first song here is called California. I have a soft spot for California songs. I have a whole playlist, actually, songs that reference Yeah, I've, I've done that before, too. Yeah. And this is a really good California-based song called California. Let's listen to it. entry to any California playlist, right? There. Yeah, what's not to like about that? Um, I how, think, how fucking basic are you that I guarantee you started out with the OC song? Your fucking basic-ass playlist. Basic-ass playlist. Yeah, but you know why you're such a phony, Bob? Why, do you don't include that? I put it in later. Kind of put it in the Does back that half. make you like a, more of a man? A little bit, a little bit. Uh, let me look. I don't know if, uh, yeah, actually, you know what? I don't have it curated to that level. Okay. If I had to choose though, so many choices. I don't know. What's your track one? I would probably do California by Phantom Planet just to kind of subvert it, (laughs) subvert everything. It's kind of like, Ooh, that's ironic. I might have to go with a little. God. Everybody listening has to be so glad they're not watching you right now. 
Come on, baby, light my fire. All right, we got it. You got it? Yeah, we got it. That would, a, that's probably how it started. All right, it's good. So fuck you. <laughs> go with the doors. Sure you are. <laughs> fucking basic. Uh, all right, there we go. Listen, just because Aerosmith, I Don't Want to Miss a Thing, was your song, don't take it out on me. I mean, it was like our song. It was like very specific to us as a couple, so you don't get it. Did you do the animal cracker thing? All the time. <laughs> we went through so many animal crackers. What was the animal? Because again, I had I didn't really know the nether world of a woman. She would do it on me. Time. She would do it on me, and I was so hairy they would just get just lost. Get lost. <laughs> You'd find them like a week later. <laughs> oh, cool! A camel. They like wash out in the shower three weeks later. It's like oh, soggy fuck. animal crackers <laughs> in the bottom of a shower. With the animal cracker move, because I never quite. I don't think I ever saw Armageddon. Actually. Wait, you never saw Armageddon? Again, I had no need to. I didn't have girlfriends. I didn't have any need to watch that space was a, travel. That was a blockbuster. That wasn't space travel. That was a piece of shit. That it was movie. a great movie. Um, do you put the animal cracker in the in the punani? No, in the butthole. Oh, in the butt. Yeah, you just oh, right up the butthole. Liv okay. Tyler bent over and said, "See how many." Do a. She said, "Do oh, it." What... She said, "Do a circus parade," and then Ben Affleck, one at a time, was like camel and put it in her butt. And was like, <laughs> elephant, put it in her butt. And he ended up getting the entire box of animal crackers in her butt. How long was the scene? It was about 14 minutes long. <laughs> and then at the very end of the, I know, it was very, it was all one shot too. And this is the biggest movie of the summer. One shot. Wow. And it was like it, Goodfellas when they go to the Cabo Cabana. Like, it was like that amazing scene in True Detective. But like it was all just animal crackers going in the butt. And then at the very end, the radio comes on and it's like, asteroid. And she goes, oh no. And goes, and just farts them all out and you watch them all come out and then it's an amazing kind of dissolve cut to the asteroids to like the in the sky let's just think about it I get it now I get why the movie was so huge I can't believe you never saw the movie no, I missed it. But like, I also famously missed a lot of 98 movies, I feel like, because I just saw Saving Private Ryan for the first time. I think I just punted yeah. on 98. <laughs> you were just busy. Well, we were busy. Because, you like know. what movie? Was it like, am I going to the theater? I don't know. But then I feel like I saw a lot of movies in 99. Well, you know what? Well, that's because you were at home. No, 98 was when, you know, we've talked in this pod about how when we became friends, like 94, we started out on like the C-list. Right. Second semester, 98. We were cracking that A minus list. Right there. We were right we were on there. the precipice. Yeah. So it was like we were busy. Not a lot of movies in 98. All right. That's a nice way to look at it. All right. Here we go. Final song, Bob. Now, this is one of my uh, certain songs that I'll, that I'll really like love. And it'll be in a really intense, intimate, almost private way that I've never even... Listen to the song with another person. Mm. So here we are in the garage together. Because why would I? It's like nobody knows the back end of a semi-sonic album from 1998. Right. But I knew the album intimately. And then I remember I would like drive around at night. And if this song, for instance, was on my mind, I would just put it on repeat and mm -hmm. just drive around. Yeah, I get that. Why are you pulling out a box of animal crackers right now? Open up your butthole. <laughs> All right, this is called Gone to the Movies, Bob. And again, I've never listened to it 
uh, with anyone else. So I'm just going to drift off for a little bit. I'm going to stare and try to make eye contact with you the whole time. Okay, here we go. You ready? Mm-hmm. Take me away, Dan. Now the rain comes down the windows and it drops onto the forehead of the waiting. He actually is starting to look at me. He surveys his rental kingdom and he wonders if he's really lost his one joy. Another fool would go down to the only place she ever went to lose herself. She's gone to the movies now and she don't need your help. I love uh, album ending tracks that kind of fit perfectly at the end of an album. And Dan Wilson, again, pop craftsman. I feel like he killed it with the mm-hmm. last song. Love this album. Bob. One of my very favorite albums of the 90s. And fuck everyone <laughs> if you disagree. Well, nobody right, could, That was strong. Yeah, nobody could disagree that it's one of your favorite albums of the 90s. <laughs> no, that would be weird if That would be a weird thing to disagree about. It's really good. I love stuff like this. There's nothing wrong with this. Yeah. Zero judgment towards Thanks, you. Man. Appreciate it. And you know what? I I think Bob, if you uh, if you kind of sat down and listened to this, I believe this would be one of your favorite albums of this uh, end of the '90s decade. Yeah. I feel that strongly that you would really like this album. No, it makes sense. Would have been nice if you would have like talked to me back in the day, sent me a like three thousand word email, just being like <laughs> you should check this out. In the '90s, if I would have sent you an email, I would have been basically forced to write a track by track review yeah and uh death i think at the time it was just too what much else, of a, what else did you have going I on i had like a term paper probably yeah like, probably so i can't do it all right so there you go that is feeling strangely fine a perfect bob concise tight disciplined 10 song 10 uh, songs. Me, 12 songs okay and that's the way it should be if i ever released an album and i, and I will bob you and i will put it out together we will fight about the track listing, but if we ever, um, uh, yeah, because I want the album to tell a story, so I'd, I'd want some like an instrumental in there. You'd want like a double. You'd be like Axl Rose and use your illusion <laughs> era. I'd be like Bob, come on! But if we ended up working out a compromise where you won something else and right. I got to choose the number of tracks, right. it would be exactly twelve. No, I know that. I know. Yeah. I know we have that coming. Maybe eleven, but never thirteen, and anything beyond that, go fuck yourself. <laughs> uh, well, don't tell me to go fuck my. I mean, you can. But uh, could we listen to, could you pull up Dan Wilson's solo album? Because who, what are the odds? <laughs> who knows that album? What are the odds we're ever going to get into that album on the podcast? All right, because I quite enjoy songs on that album. It came out in about 2008. Yeah, I just want you to th- just throw on Baby Doll. Mm. Just to give everybody a taste. Because when we talk about Dan Wilson as a songwriter, he's incredible. Like he's won a bunch of Grammys and he had one solo album. I think maybe two. I, he probably did keep putting them out, or maybe he didn't. You're right. But yeah, uh, he put out a really good solo album in 2007 called Free Life that no one gave a fuck about. Uh, but we did. Bob. We did. We were somehow. all in. Yeah. And Baby Doll, I believe, was a single on it. Here it is.
baby doll You've been lonely, I've been out of town Playing the unintended circus clown Looking for someone just like you, girl But now the stars are going out And old familiar halls are falling off the grid And resurrect the things we did Yeah, we just have to talk to the chorus I Somehow I miss Semisonic But I had this album And it's so good Yeah, well This made me a damn We were living in Hollywood at That's the time it. Yeah And uh, we definitely, I think, listened to this a lot Um all right, we're here, so I'll put uh, another song that I like. Again, a tra- track. Oh, no, I wanted 13. to get to the chorus. We almost got to the chorus. Oh, that we didn't get to the chorus. No, yet? that wasn't. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, Bob. You really fucked me on that, Dan. <laughs> really, just got a <laughs> ass full of animal crackers and no release. Hang on, let me get to this for you. <laughs> That's gonna be the new analogy. <laughs> There's an ass full of animal crackers, Dan. And nobody gave a fuck. All right. Now, Bob. Yes. Time to pick a song for the Spotify playlist. Well, Dan, it's obviously a dealer's selection episode, and you are the dealer. Yes. I I want you to select this. I am a little bit worried since you're a basic-ass motherfucker that we're going to listen to closing time for the rest of our lives. But I want to believe that you're better than that. You know what? It's so funny that you said that because I was definitely not going to choose it for that reason. But the fact that you would be so insulting to me. I knew you weren't going to select that. maybe that I will choose no, it you're to not spite you. To. But no. ultimately. History will just remember you as selecting it, though. So you can't do that. <laughs> History. It's funny. Like, no one cares about Semisonic, but everyone will care about the Semisonic song we chose for our Spotify playlist. That's going to be the lead of our Wikipedia. All right. I will not do that, but I will choose the song after closing time, singing in my sleep, because I feel like people missed out. Yep, I love it. Great call. Uh, All right, here we go. So singing in my sleep is the latest song on the Spotify playlist, which you can get uh, on our Spotify playlist. That makes sense. Uh, Throwback pod on Twitter. The link will be there. Also, Apple Music, if you use that. Uh, Also, you can catch that link. Uh, you can email us at thethrowbackpod at gmail if you have any horrific childhood issues you want to talk about. I think our audience is very well adjusted. I don't know if anybody has childhood issues. So you we never know, okay. Bob. we got to cross our fingers. Um, and on Instagram, we're at throwbackpod. And most importantly, Bob, Patreon. Yes, patreon.com slash throwbackpod. Is it Patreon or Patreon? Whatever you want it to be. That is the lifeblood of this podcast, isn't it, Bob? Keeps us going. Tell us, tell the audience how they can help if they're not already. Listen, just $2 a month, you can be a part of the show. $6, you get to or vote more. in our polls. Give more. Yeah, or more. But you could give two. Yep. And have, that would be great. We have polls. We're gonna, we do video questions when we remember. We live stream to our top tier. Sometimes. Patreonies when we remember. 
So we just appreciate you guys. We want to keep doing this forever. So uh, anything that you can do up. to help is great. And uh, if you if you can't, then just enjoy us for free. Go fuck yourself. But like uh, next week, we'll come back again with our Patreon voted poll winner Ooh. for October. Our uh, our I just chubbed up a little bit when you said you that. did. Right now, I mean, I guess we'll see what it is. But uh, Give me some animal crackers. Go vote in some polls. Look at that asshole. You're ready. <laughs> Gross. Go fuck yourself, everybody.